Hi, I'm Stacy. I love talking about how to know and live out God's callings in our lives, preferably cozied up with steaming beverages in comfy armchairs. You can head to my website, stacysummero.com, for more on discernment. That's S-T-A-C-E-Y-S-U-M-E-R-E-A-U.com. everybody. How's your January going? I hope it's great. Are you going to the March for Life this year? I've been a lot of times, but this year it's not going to be really a good idea with two littles who don't travel well in the cold, but I will be there in spirit. I will definitely be praying for you guys. I thought that this would be a very timely time to release an episode on a separate but pro-life related issue of discerning your family size. So, This is obviously a very highly personal topic, so I thought the best way would be to approach it discussing my own thoughts, my fears, my own concerns surrounding this issue. So you've been warned, (laughs) vulnerability alert on my part. So I'm talking about all of these things with my friend Melanie Smith. Now, Melanie is an incredibly well-formed Catholic woman. She studied at the Theology of the Body Institute, and she runs a women's group that I was really blessed to be a part of when I was um, in my first year of marriage. And she hosts an annual women's retreat at her parish every year. So she's just also a really good role model of how to be a compassionate listener. So we talk about how to quit the parenthood Olympics in our heads with whoever has the most babies being the holiest. Uh, We talk about what the Catholic Church says and doesn't say about how many children to have, some of the ins and outs of NFP, as well as communicating with your spouse, and kind of just getting rid of all of the unnecessary guilt and judginess surrounding this whole issue. Plus, Melanie is an incredible community builder. So I did a little Q&A at the end with her about how to start a young adult small group in your area, because I know community is super, super important for discerning any decision, and it just enriches your life so much. So Melanie has, um, as I mentioned, run a small group for lots of years, and she shares some of her wisdom. So enjoy that bonus content. Now, before we get into the episode, we do talk about some adult topics here. So if you have littles around, I would just recommend popping in some headphones. Um, I also don't want you to forget, please leave a review in iTunes. It would be so, so great if you wouldn't mind doing that for me. And um, head over to my website if you want more on discernment. I just wrote a little um, blog post about a 10-minute exercise that I designed and did for myself um, about discerning free time because I feel like so many of us are so busy and overcommitted and it's really hard to cut things out and discern what is the right thing to be doing and what, you know, what just needs to be let go of. So I hope that you will find that uh, very helpful. I've been finding it giving me a lot of peace and just helping me cut out all the unnecessary stuff already in the new year. So head over to my website, stacysummero.com for that. And let's get to the episode. Hey, girl, how are you? Hello. Great. How are you doing? Good. I got my decaf here. Because it's the evening. All right. Yeah. Great. And what are you drinking? I am drinking some beautiful, sweet red, Appalachia red, Happy Valley winery wine from Happy Valley State College, PA. Yes. <laughs> Shout out oh. to their delicious. I've already had all my coffee for the day. So <laughs> I just switch over. <laughs> yes. Local wine represent. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a really good winery. Um, for anyone who mm-hmm. doesn't know how Melanie and I met, we mm-hmm. were in the same women's group together, which Melanie founded in State College, PA. Mm-hmm. 
And Melanie found me as like a little tiny baby newlywed. And (laughs) I was brand new pregnant. Um, Mm -hmm. I was nauseous as heck. And she and beautiful women in the women's group just welcomed me with open Mm -hmm. arms and really helped Mm me create this community for the beautiful year that we were in State College for the first Mm -hmm. year of our our marriage. So, um, Mm -hmm. Melanie, you've been kind of a, a mentor and a friend of mine for quite a while. So, I'm really grateful that you are here to talk yes. with us about some important issues today. Yes. Well, and I have to say, I actually sort of met you before then. I was eyeing up your husband at Daily Mass every day, <laughs> and I was like inviting him to our Catholicism group, and then he introduced me to you as his fiance at the um, parish Christmas party, and I couldn't wait for you to move here and or move to State College and become yes. part of our group. So, yeah. <laughs> I do remember that. So, let's just talk a little bit about, I just want to preface all of this, basically, just saying that I kind of approach this topic of discerning our family size with a very Mm -hmm. um, particular view. Um, I am part of some of the natural family planning, um, which we'll abbreviate as NFP on this podcast. Um, I'm part of some of the NFP groups on Facebook that have a lot of members Mm -hmm. and they exist to be a supportive group, which most of the time they are. But I have noticed Mm -hmm. that a lot of times in sort of the Catholic bubbles, there's a very big skew toward um, you should always welcome as many children as possible, which I do in Mm -hmm. concept agree with because, you know, Mm -hmm. children are gifts from God. But just in my own Mm -hmm. life, kind of being a part of that group has sometimes caused me a lot of anxiety because it's Mm -hmm. um, my husband and I were were blessed with um, a lot of fertility, if you can say a lot of, (laughs) but (laughs) great fertility. And we have two beautiful babies who were born uh, nine months after our marriage and then the following year, 364 days later. So as you know, (laughs) Melanie, I've kind of been like in baby land since I got married. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so for me, Mm -hmm. it's a very personal thing because I feel like if I post in one of these groups that I'm trying to avoid, um, you know, and and honestly, I'm going to be really honest. I am very scared of having another child soon. Mm -hmm. So I have, Mm -hmm. I'm terrified because having babies is really Mm -hmm. hard. Really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's different children. Like everyone kind of has a different angle on this. So I just want to kind of come forward with my angle. And um, mm-hmm. as we talk, I'm not disrespecting, you know, big families or small families or anything. Um, you know, I think mm-hmm. there's so much leeway within our our faith to, you know, to, to discern what's best for your family. So I'm not trying Mm -hmm. to judge anybody. And I know there's also people dealing with infertility. So that's another whole Mm -hmm. issue. Mm -hmm. But for me, what it feels like is that my fertility is actually a cross right now. So Mm -hmm. that is kind of my angle when I'm coming at this. And um, I've noticed myself sort of trying to convince my husband that we don't need many more children. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or anymore. And I know that that's not the right approach to take, but it's something that we're talking about and monitoring out. Yeah. Yeah. So please tell me, Melanie, a little bit about your story. Thank you for listening to all of that. I, I hope I expressed it well. Um, just tell me a little bit about the calls that you've received from God and what those calls looked and felt like. Right. And and I think to start out, you know, I, I first felt called in college, um, really felt called to marriage. And and I did discern the religious life. Um, and when I was on a pilgrimage out, um, in Rome for 
with my brother and sister-in-law and our good friend, um, really felt, you know, Jesus, uh, in Eucharistic adoration telling me like, you're called to be married. Like it was very, Mm -hmm. it was just plain, simple. I felt it on my heart. I was like, whoa, okay, Mm -hmm. cool. This is cool. Like I I just felt this clarity in this piece. So I think that's where you need to start to, you know, that we're called first to marriage. Um, that is the sacrament. The sacrament is marriage. That's where we draw our graces from. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, there isn't really technically like a, a sacrament of family, you know what I mean? It, it, right. it, it comes forth from the marriage. Um, but that is where all our graces come from. And then as you were saying, you know, um, it just hit me like we were saying, talking to your husband, like we, I just want to say that like this whole responsibility, this whole discernment, it is, it is the two that have become one. It is ours together to discern mm-hmm. together um, as we are feeling called to whatever amount of children. So, um, so yeah, so that was my first call to marriage. And then, um, after getting to meet my husband, um, who was friends with my brother through St. Paul's Outreach out in Columbus, Ohio, um, he came to my niece's baptism and two years later she was our flower girl. So, um, Aww. after getting to find him at a baptism, I highly encourage people to meet at, uh, um, Sacramento <laughs> places. <laughs> yes. So, um, you know, after that, when during our engaged encounter, we discussed this, like, what did we feel called to? And um, at the time on that, we said three to eight children is what we kind of felt called to, wow. um, which is hilarious, you know, that you just, you know, you wonder where you get these numbers, but, you know, I think <laughs> our society is very, you know, oh, how many kids do you want? Are you done? You know, this whole, are you done thing? Of, yes. We got to talk about me. that. I have a boy and a girl, you know, so are you done? Yes. You have a girl, you have a boy. You know, me too. I get that all the time. (laughs) So, um, you know, that, that was really great that we both had, you know, I I think people need to be on the same page before they're married on, you know, children or not in general, and maybe, you know, some idea of hopes for, you know, what you feel called in your family size. And even, you know, prior to this, when I was in high school, you know, and then when I become a, became an aunt, you know, especially when I became an aunt, you know, this, this deep, deep call, when you get to become an aunt, I just feel like you feel like you couldn't love any children more. And then you have your own, you're like, wow, I can love a child more than I love them. Yes. <laughs> so, um, all those different calls throughout. Um, so yeah, so we were very open to life, right? Coming out of, um, our marriage, right after our wedding day. And, um, we got, to have a little Jamaica baby about 10 months later, our daughter Trinity was born after. <laughs> and, um, and then after that, I was actually struck with very, very severe postpartum depression. I actually had set in during my pregnancy. Um, so that was incredibly difficult. I never really experienced depression in that way. I never struggled with it. Um, I did lose a good friend in high school and um, some deaths in my family, but they were all very, you know, proper to the grieving. Um, never a hormonal thing, never a sleep deprivation, colicky baby crying 24-7, you know, related yes. to those things. That was really difficult. And I, it was such a sorrow, you know, on my heart that I was like, wow, you know, Christopher, my husband, I said, I don't, you know, are we going to have any more children? How could we ever do this again? You know, and you think about it, like, you know, the day after they're born for some reason, like, yeah. hold up, let's just like, <laughs> you know, as women, we're like planning it out. It's like, you yes. just had a baby. Could you just be a mom to this baby for a second? And, yes. Oh, yeah. My mom <laughs> actually says so. that um, as she was giving birth to my 
older sister, Shelly, she looked at my dad and she said, we are never doing this again. And he showed her. <laughs> yes. No, I had similar feelings um, after my first. I was like, I can't even imagine doing this again. But no, like, right. Um, yeah. Right, right. There's yeah. the grace right there. Praise God. Mm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's funny when I've been in confession different times, you know, confessing, you know, n- not not necessarily a sin, but more the fear I like that you were discussing. You know, I want I don't ever want to fear um, more yeah. children, but that's on you, you know, and confessing that. And, you know, I've had at least two different priests, different priests tell me. You know, if God made men to create, to reproduce, we would have died off as a society, which is very <laughs> hilarious. But um, not, to, not to talk to men in any ways. It came from a priest. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, so, I so yeah, so then, go ahead, sorry, sorry, I feel like I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, no, mm-hmm. I think there, I, I think that's all, that's all really good. Um, keep, if you had more, please do keep going. Yeah, yeah. So I guess, um, so then from there, you know, um, it, it was just, I, the discernment was, it was, you know, it's constant when you practice NFP um, and once you're, cycling again or even before I guess when you're nursing when you're postpartum obviously you can get pregnant and um, ovulate before you have your first period back and um, that was you know every every time you go to renew your wedding vows you're you're deciding Lord are we trying you know to also have a child or is this just a renewal of our wedding vows in this marital embrace with your husband and um, so I really part of me really likes that. I love the communication part of NFP. I love, you know, feeling I'm on the same page as my husband. I love that I never feel used by him. I love, I love so much. I love about it. Um, and I, and what I love, but I hate it at the same time is that how much I have to trust God, you know, you just think like, well, you know, God brought, Jesus into the world, you know, through a virgin Mary, you know, there was no sperm involved there. And um, yes. here we have us practicing natural family planning and we are, you know, we're always open to life if, if we're practicing natural family planning. So the Lord can um, change your ovulation any way he wants to, uh, to, to um, bring forth the gift of a child if it's his choice. So, um, yes. Yeah, I I do want to actually go into that term open to life because I think there's a lot of confusion mm. about that. So I was talking with someone recently who's a mother and um, she was saying, well, we can't really discern our family size, can we? Because we always have to be open to life. Can you clarify that? And just, yeah, go for it. Sure, sure. When I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of where it was in, I think it's Pope Francis' encyclical lately of, I think it's encyclical, about, about, prudence and generosity so that word prudence you know using our wisdom our responsibility i think i think people think they need to be open life in a very cavalier haphazard whatever kind of way and and i'm not disregarding that i I know some families that are called to that that don't even you know chart cycles or anything they are just completely um open to life in that manner um Mm -hmm. but that whatever god gives them each time you know so they're never avoiding pregnancy um yes. but when you're avoiding pregnancy that doesn't mean you're not open to life so mm. not being open to life means that somehow um 
I don't know how graphic or descriptive I'm supposed to get here. <laughs> um, you can go, I'll put a disclaimer at the beginning of the episode and just say, okay. <laughs> put headphones in. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so, you know, and, and you can look, look to any of this. Um, I know Christopher West has an excellent book on um, good news about sex and marriage. And he actually has a revised division just out right now. And um, to explain all these really hard topics, but being open to life means that there's never anything in between um, the two of you to at, at climax, I guess. I don't know how else to say that. Um, right. No so, contraception, no condoms, nothing. Right. Yeah. No, no. Yes. Yeah. No, just complete oral sex, nothing like that. So, um, right. Hmm, where'd I go? So you, Sorry. You are, <laughs> no, that's okay. I, I, I do. I appreciate mm-hmm. you getting specific because, um, yeah. I, I, would I be correct in saying that if we are using natural family planning to try to avoid a child, we are still being open to life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I guess now some people could use natural family planning and then whilst they are ovulating, use a contraceptive on top of that. Like, Oh, I'm no, you might be ovulating now. We'll Mm. use a condom. Well, no, that's not practicing natural family planning. You know what I mean? Like, so, um, right. Right. You know, I, you can be told that, you know, at your postpartum appointments with your doctors and you, you know, your OB, you tell them you use natural family planning and they'll say, well, make sure you use an extra backup. Make sure you also use a condom, whatever, you know, and, yes. and they're doing their best to teach, you know, what they've learned. Um, but unfortunately that would be taking away from NFP and that would be not being open to life and following the, the teachings of the Catholic church. Right. I think unfortunately there's kind of a, uh, it's pretty normal for doctors to sort of put pressure on Catholic women. I've had it happen in both of my um, postpartum mm. appointments. Uh, not mm-hmm. so much the second one, but the first one, the doctor really thought that I was crazy. And he looked at me as though like, mm-hmm. you know, you are nuts. Um, and he said like, okay, well, I'll see you back here in six months with another baby. And right. um, my husband and mm-hmm. I were not very good at knowing how to use NFP at that point. So mm-hmm. I did go back <laughs> with another baby. Um, <laughs> You know, but but now that we're really getting the method down, it's becoming easier, at least to understand, if not easier in practice. Um, uh, Although it is getting a little easier in practice, actually, Um, just as you kind of learn to communicate better. Um, So Mm -hmm. let's talk a little about something that I heard you say back when we were... um, when I was in your your women's group, and I do remember you mm-hmm. said, I hope you don't mind me bringing this up. Um, sure. I remember you yeah. said that you did not feel that you were called to have another child after you had your first mm-hmm. because of your mm-hmm. severe postpartum depression, but then you did mm-hmm. feel called to have another child, um, which you did, yeah. and adorable, Damien. <laughs> what, um, what did that feel like to feel not called and then to feel called? And mm-hmm. I guess sure. my second part of my question for that is, were you struggling at all with this idea that I find kind of exists in the Catholic world that you should by default be having as many children as possible? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure. Great questions. Mm. So, so yes, now the statement in general, I think that that's also, you know, a problem in our society of, you know, what are you going to do and choose it blank? You know, it's, it's a continual lifelong process just that it, just as our growing in holiness is, you know, just as our journey to heaven it's yes. this process, it's lifelong, it's a journey. And so therefore, you know, like I said, we said, oh, three to eight children and then bam, we have one. And I'm like, whoa, you know, and I had to find my peace with that. Like the Lord wanted me to find out that it wasn't my plan and that I wasn't in mm-hmm. control, that he was in control. And I came to a place where he was, he was showing me 
um, and Mary, you know, growing, I, I highly encourage women to cling to her um, during pregnancy, but in all motherhood, you know, she is our, our main model of how to, our number one model of how to, to be. And um, mm-hmm. her telling me, telling me, Melanie, I only had one child. Mary told me that. And I said, wow, you know what I mean? Like, this is not, this is not a sin. This is not something wrong with me. This is my call. This is, you know, and um, yes. taking time, I do a silent retreat every year. Um, I, I do them through Opus Day, And um, each year, tell, you know, I, I really felt, you know, I was like, I'm not called to have any more children, Lord. And we had a, and the Lord had a very close, sweet discussion about this. And I just asked him, I said, Lord, if this ever changes, just lay it on my heart, lay it on Christopher's heart. Mm-hmm. And that was in February and come June that year, he just threw it on both our hearts. And we were both like, I think we should try to have another baby. And we couldn't believe it. You know, we just wow. were like flabbergasted by like, wow, like Melanie, you've had so much healing. You were ready again to have this baby um, or to have a try to have another baby. And if it's God's will, we will get pregnant. If it is not, we will not. And um, mm-hmm. praise the Lord for Damien. And, um, so I, I think that's what we have to be aware of that, like that it's not one, it's not a decision and you're done, you know, you just don't know what's yeah. going to come along with life, mental health, cancer, death. You, know, you could have multiple children. You, for me, you know, mm-hmm. and with Damien, I was on bed rest for a month afterwards, you know, so looking at the health of the mother, um, all of these things have to come into consideration and we can just praise the Lord that we live in a time when the church has given us the gift of NFP. It is such a gift. Um, and I encourage going into all that. I actually charted for seven years prior to marriage, um, coming out of high school. I never had regular periods and, you know, they always just kind of were like, Oh, you're athletic. You shouldn't, you know, but then when I started college, they're like, well, you should have regular periods, put you on the pill. And I was like, no, I was just diving into my faith and learning how I didn't want to contracept. And, um, I found the NAPRO technology at Holy Spirit hospital um, in Camp Hill, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and started charting and really dealing with all my hormone issues. And so to the point where the two times when my husband and I tried to have children, we were able to. Wow. And, you know, when we felt called to avoid, we've been able to avoid pregnancy. So, um, you know, it's it's just a beautiful thing for a woman to really learn her own self. <laughs> and it's yes. amazing how women don't even know themselves because they're artificially hormonally controlled. Um Yes. And a couple of resources on that is um, naturalwomanhood.org is great. Um, they just had an article out about self-care and how to take care of ourselves throughout the four different stages of your cycle. There's kind of like four mm-hmm. things that happen, um, whether you're in your period or follicular or, you know, wherever you are in your cycle, what your hormones are doing. Um, and it's, you know, really beautiful um, to understand awesome. the female body and the gift of fertility. Yeah. <laughs> so That's great. I'll link to that in the show notes. Was there another resource? Or was, yeah. Um, I, I was going to say, no, that would be, I mean, and any network technology, I guess, would be okay. the other one. But um, naturalwomanhood.org talks about all fertility awareness-based methods. Um, so that's awesome. in general, any kind of basically NFP. That's great. And I feel like that's a great resource if anyone like is um, looking to try, maybe not try out all the different methods, but just become more aware of what they all involve. Um, For myself, uh, I tried the Creighton model and it was um, really hard to tell just 
for my particular mm-hmm. body, it was really hard sure. to read the mucus signals, um, which is why mm-hmm. I think we got pregnant twice so quickly. And of course, I would not trade mm-hmm. my children for anything. But just moving right. forward, I found the Marquette method to be really, um, really mm-hmm. effective, which uses the clear blue fertility monitor. And I really like mm-hmm. having that because it, it kind of is a more objective reading of where your hormones are. And um, mm-hmm. the clear blue fertility monitor is supposed to help couples achieve pregnancy, but also the, the people who designed it have worked with uh, Marquette University to develop a uh, methodology where you can also use it to avoid pregnancy if you kind of read the, mm-hmm. the monitor correctly. So I found that to be a real blessing for, for John and me. Um, and mm-hmm. I love too that you point out that our ideas of how many children we should have can often be really tied up in pride and instead mm-hmm. we need to really surrender them to God. Um, mm-hmm. That really, really hit home for me mm-hmm. because I used to tell people that I was going to have nine children and I'm one of eight children. So, and I come from the Arlington Diocese. There's a lot of big families. I grew up being mm-hmm. exposed to a lot of big families. And for many years, I really sort of uh, took pride in people's reaction when I said that I wanted nine children. And I always thought, mm. oh, I'm going to be really good at this because I am the second oldest. I've been taking care of babies since I was little and I'll be, I'll mm. be really good at being a mom. And lo and behold, <laughs> God had a different plan. He gave me the two, I think, most type A children on the planet, especially my first one, um, <laughs> thrown in very close together. And then also um, a round of postpartum depression while I was pregnant with my second mm-hmm. and had mm-hmm. a you know mm-hmm. six month old. So that was, that was extremely, extremely difficult, um, which I think is a good segue into talking about reasons to avoid pregnancy because the church mm-hmm. does have guidelines on that. Um, so I'd love to talk about those. And there mm-hmm. is a lot of debate about what constitutes um, serious matter. I've heard the, the word grave matter, but I don't believe that's the word that's mm-hmm. actually used in the catechism because grave sounds like life and death. But I think it's actually yeah. serious is what they use. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah. And, and, and the church is purposefully vague on something so that there is space for interpretation. And that's the beauty of the Catholic church, the universal church, you know, that each individual is going to have, you know, there's just no one size fits all. And we, mm-hmm. as a church, welcome all to be Catholic. And so we need to discern that. And, and that's the beauty, too, of of being in a healthy um, marriage where you have a relationship with one another, but also with, with Christ that, that God is, you know, like Fulton Sheen's book, three to get married, you know, that that's the God is your center so that we do know where, where our discernment is coming from. It's not, you know, from pride or whatever. Um, That is an amazing. And I wanted yeah. Yes. Yes. And another book I want to set out for you is um, to refer to is the three secrets to holiness in marriage. It's a 33 day self-guided retreat by Dan and Amber Demite, our best man and his awesome wife. Um, So that's, that's another great book to, to grow closer in your marriage. So I think that might be where you need to start, you know, or, and, Mm -hmm. and, or your relationship with Christ and possibly having some sort of, um, you know, spiritual director or some confessor you go to regularly, someone who can help you in this discernment. Um, so it's very yes. important. Absolutely. Actually, I just met Amber and Dan at a conference in Tampa, mm-hmm. Florida, and mm-hmm. I'm going to have them on the podcast. They gave me their book and I gave it to my husband for, co- for, uh, for college. Listen to me, for Christmas. I'm like, what yeah, are my words here? Awesome. 
Yes. So we're actually about to start it. And I'm super excited that it looks like an incredible mm-hmm. book. And I'm going to have them on the podcast yes. pretty soon. Fabulous. Yeah. And they have YouTube videos um, so that each day you can watch that and kind of use that to help with your discussion and your reading too, which is fabulous. <gasps> That's so great. Do you have, um, Melanie, do you have the guidelines for the churches, uh, you know, what constitutes matter for um, delaying a pregnancy? Do you have that in front of you? I don't have that in front of me. Okay. I apologize. That, no, it's fine. Um, no, I but have, we could add that to the notes, too, to for the talk. Um, yes, yes. Yes. There's, okay, I do have the catechism in front of me. I'm just not sure if this is exactly the right paragraph. Periodic continence, that is the methods of birth regulation based on self-observation and the use of infertile periods, is in conformity with the objective criteria of morality. These methods respect the bodies of the spouses, encourage tenderness between them, and favor the education of an authentic freedom. In contrast, Every action which, whether in anticipation of the conjugal act or in its accomplishment or in the development of its natural consequences, proposes, whether as an end or a means, to render procreation impossible is intrinsically evil. So that's some pretty mm. pretty strong language there. Um, yes, but wow, that's, um, that's really beautiful. And that was said way better than me saying climax. <laughs> um, but like completion of the <laughs> marital <cool>. act. <laughs> must and in openness to like, like holy good job good job catechism yeah, <laughs> I, I found it i found it a particular aspect of this responsibility concerns the regulation of procreation for just reasons spouses may wish to space the births of their children it is their duty to make certain that their desire is not motivated by selfishness but is in conformity with the generosity appropriate to responsible parenthood that's mm-hmm. great Mm-hmm. So, what the catechism actually says is not grave reasons, but just reasons mm-hmm. why you should space out the births of your children. Um, yes. What have you, in your, all of your studies, what have you come to understand are some just reasons? Yes. Um, so, so, I'd like to first, you know, lay out that postpartum depression, uh, I think a lot of people, you know, name maybe just baby blues or things like that. They might mm-hmm. label that as postpartum depression. And um, postpartum depression can get to the point of psychosis, um, suicidal thoughts or actions. Um, it can be very, very severe um, and a grave reason. <laughs> you know, I know that's not the yes. word we're using at the moment, but um, that would be grave, you know, life or death. That your current children that you have here alive, um, they need you as a parent and mm-hmm. they need you to be here as a parent. And if you being um, not, in, you know, imprudent, is that the right word? Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Not being prudent, not being responsible um, with your fertility, it, you know, can actually be. Um, you could be being a bad parent to your current children mm. um, while you're giving your other, these new children the gift of life. Um, how beautiful that is. We have to still remember we, we already have children here too, you know, and, yes. and a spouse. And so I, I'm sorry, I'm kind of going off, but I wanted no, to kind of clarify so, that. As I example. think it's so good. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. so good. Cause I've never and really heard that said before. So thank you for saying that. Okay. Sure. And another thing too, I just think, you know, especially as women, I'm sure there's men listening too, but as women, I just think that we need to be linking arms and mm-hmm. heading this off together, you know, and not looking at one another in judgment 
or, you know, because we, we don't know. We have no idea what a person is dealing with, what's going on within their marriage or their fertility or their, um, you know, their sexual intimacy, their, oh, I can just keep going on and on, you know. Um, yeah. So, so it just stressed that, you know, that maybe, maybe that's not the greatest question when we ask people, you know, um, you know, how many more are you going to have? Or what's, you know, what's your plan? You know, yes. um, I don't know what the better question would be. But it's definitely something to be sensitive about and non-judgmental for sure. Yeah, yeah I think honestly, not even asking the question is probably better. <laughs> yeah, that probably because, be better. <laughs> yeah. because you yeah. never know. Yeah. Secondary infertility is a real thing, and you know, if you're just totally overwhelmed, it is. It becomes more stressful when when people are asking you what's mm-hmm. your plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, as though you should have. Right. This right. right. And yes. if there's anything yeah. I've learned about parenthood, it's it really is so much about surrender to God because that child has his or her own personality, his or her own needs. Every child really Mm -hmm. is different. And um, I think for me, it was, I I just love everything you're saying. I think it's been, it's very affirming for me because I recognize that every day um, going through, just getting through the day is really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of been struggling for quite a while now as I was also struggling with, with postpartum depression, I've been struggling with this mm-hmm. sort of feeling that like, oh, I just need to be generous. I just need to be more generous mm-hmm. with God. And then, you know, and that's what I'm called to is complete abandonment of self. And even though you are called to abandonment of self, I think there is self-knowledge within that that we need to attain. And it's kind of been really good for me mm-hmm. this year to just pull back and say, you know what? I haven't slept through the night since March 2017. <laughs> We're now almost mm-hmm. in 2019. Uh, well, by the time mm-hmm. this episode airs, it will be 2019. I'm not even close mm-hmm. to the night. And my kids wake up at 5 a.m. It's okay to space yeah. out my kids. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. yes. up to God. And yeah, so thank yeah. you for saying all that. It's <laughs> great. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And how beautiful, like what a sacrifice that you're, you know, that you're giving your children. So thank yeah. you for Thank your you sacrifice so much. and your beautiful motherhood. It is so beautiful. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. And you too. I know you've been through postpartum depression twice now with your kids and mm-hmm. you don't have to share any details or anything. Um, mm-hmm. Having been through it myself, it's awful. It's absolutely, it's very, very, very hard. Um, do you have any resources mm-hmm. for anyone who's been through that? Or maybe they don't even know they've been through it because it's kind of a... Yeah. It's yeah. one of those things where it can sneak up on you and you don't even realize you're mm-hmm. depressed until mm-hmm. you forget months of yeah. your life and then look back and say, yeah. oh gosh, <laughs> what have I been Absolutely. doing? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and for me, you know, it sets in, in pregnancy, which is just mm-hmm. horrendous, you know, here, oh. yeah. So not to mention me all too. the like throwing up and stuff that goes along with that too. Okay. Um, but yeah. And for me, the first episode, I was completely, like you're saying, unaware it was even happening. Mm-hmm. And so you know, with the next episode, I was super conscientious, you know, when we were trying again, like what, are, what steps are we going to take right away mm. to make sure? And, and for me, one, you know, one of my things is sleep. I really need a four hour stretch of sleep. Um, mm. And I've been gifted with two very, very hard babies. Um, my first had extremely bad colic where she cried for four months straight, you know, and my oh. second still doesn't always sleep through the night at 20 months old, you know, so wow. I, I feel your pain. Um, so, you know, my husband's way of helping me is I sleep in the basement guest bedroom with earplugs in. He makes sure I get a four-hour stretch of sleep before he calls on me to help if, you know, sort of things like that, especially, you know. And that was, again, it was a let go of control. I have to let him 
helped me. It's, it's um, dying to self. It's growing in holiness. This is my past. This motherhood is definitely um, sharpening me. Yes. <laughs> so, um, but a great resource um, was actually, I just got to meet her. She's actually a dear friend of my, my sister-in-law, Meredith, is um, Lydia. She has a um, part, or no, a blog called Flourishing in Hope. Um, and it is, it's lovely. She has also suffered um, and now with five children. And it's amazing how we as women, you know, can really learn these are our crosses and how to best manage them um, so that she can still, you know, practice NFP and be generous and, and now have five children um, mm-hmm. and battle this and find ways. Um, and she has a lot of stuff too on self-care and um, just, just wonderful, wonderful. Um, I, I love that I would site. Refer people too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. It's so supportive. It's so non-judgmental. And if yeah. you are from a do- it, devout Catholic too, you know, yes. which is hard to find. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause there is definitely a feeling in all the advertising surrounding newborns and parents, you only ever see smiley, mm-hmm. cute little chubby babies and some babies mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. eat. Some babies don't sleep. Some babies mm-hmm. drive their parents crazy and their parents are going to depression or whatever. It's not that picture of perfect babyhood it's it's really a struggle um and it's different for everybody some people it's not as hard but you know for me it was like I felt like all of these lies had been hurtled at me for years and I was having to sort of overcome them in my own life and now I'm I'm more in a place of peace about the whole issue of discerning family size um really being confident in your your own present circumstances and not feeling like you need to live up to you know, mm-hmm. Susie Q's idea of how many children you should have, you know, yeah. she sits yeah. near you at mass and is, yeah. you know, eyeing you and wondering yeah. when are you going to have another child? Because that's mm-hmm. what God must be calling you to, you know, so there's <laughs> that kind of judgmental mm-hmm. stuff going on. But, um, but yeah, I love what you said about being kind to one another. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Can you also, yes. and, talk- and yes. I just want to go back to number one, kind with ourselves, you know, yes. and you know, who, who is, whose opinion matters. One, mm-hmm. one, there's one person's opinion who matters. And that is your Lord, your God, your savior, Jesus Christ. He is the only one you need to please. And yes. so it comes back to, you need to be talking to him about this, <laughs> you know, get off Absolutely. of this podcast of ours and go talk to <laughs> Jesus and he will tell you the right answers. Yes, <laughs> so, totally. Yes. <laughs> A hundred percent. And for anyone listening who does have a big family, I do want to recognize that that generosity in um, being open to life in that way too. Because I think we've talked a lot about mm-hmm. like limiting your family size or like spacing out your children. But for anyone who does feel like God, you know, is really calling them to just let the kids come as they come and who's, um, you know, rocking mm-hmm. it out with the big family. I, I mm-hmm. so admire them, especially now that I have two of my own. I'm like, wow that mm-hmm. women and men who have, you know, big Catholic families are, I'm really in awe of them. Um, mm-hmm. Great. So when you're talking about kind of um, postpartum depression, I would love to segue into talking a little bit about community because it seems like that mm. is also a hugely helpful aspect of, of um, it was for me at least mm-hmm. of healing and yeah. of being more confident in going through bringing a baby into the world a second time um, was community, mm-hmm. uh, a community of faith and also a community of just practical help. So can you speak about mm-hmm. your experience with community and its importance in your parenthood? Sure, sure. Yes, well, and this goes back to my husband and I, you know, on our engaged encounter and really just talking about like, what did we feel our mission was as a married couple? What is God calling us to? Um, and two of the things 
were um, theology of the body. We both had, you know, really deepened conversions going on in the theology of the body head and heart immersion course at the Institute, um, mm-hmm. which is really close here in the Quarryville, Lancaster area of Pennsylvania. We're so blessed to have it so close by mm-hmm. and, um, you know, getting, and, and that's something that we do. So um, I'll leave my way to get at, get at me if anybody is listening, but um, if you ever have a week, my husband and I would be very, very um, happy to sponsor you to go on this, head and heart immersion course um if you have the time we'll spend the money for you because it is worth every penny and it will change your life um so that that's one part and we do get to teach theology of the body to our 10th grade students um at ccd at our parish which is such a gift um but another mission we felt too was building community at our church our church has 1500 families i believe um which can be really overwhelming and it's really hard to you know kind of get in on the youngish adult kind of people to find your group you know there's yes. kind of like the older ages but all the youngers um if you're you know out of your own home family after 18 and you're kind of maybe done with college it's really hard to find a group there and we started a men's and women's group separately that meets every other week opposite weeks um and just a place where we gather to grow in holiness whether we study the bible or you know some kind of reading or study um and that's it's been more it's just been it's been so blessed um it's mm-hmm. had a lot of turnover you know being in a a college town we have people come you know that are working on degrees and then they leave or you know a lot of people have job changes or whatever life happens and people have to leave but so many people of our women that have come and gone have have later thanked me and it's always been such a um you know, an affirmation to know that I'm doing God's will and leading that. And I, I mean, I receive so much of it too. The friendships, the place, the place to join and speak and grow in our faith in a non judge in a non judgmental atmosphere where people are, mm-hmm. you know, like minded in their goals. That like we want holiness, we want to become saints. This is our goal in life, mm-hmm. um, not some amazing body or you know, just yes. perfect life, but just a um, you know, a really a true, true holiness. So yeah, there's, there's just a sense, you know, the Holy Spirit is there in um, building with one another. So. Absolutely. <laughs> it was a huge support for me when I was going through my first pregnancy and all the fears and hormones yeah. and everything that went along with that. And, yeah. um, and I loved that it wasn't just, you know, we're all going to sit down and like focus on a spiritual aspect that has nothing to do with us. It was mm-hmm. very, very personal. Um, and I, I think, I, as Catholics, we kind of need, um, uh, we need that a lot more, that small faith community, because just one hour a week, you cannot build community in one hour a week mm-hmm. of sitting at mass. You need more than that. No, no. And, and, and that's actually not what mass is for, you know? So, right, yeah. Right. And right. I encourage everyone listening, if, you're, if your parish doesn't have this, like, really pray and ask God, how can you start this at your parish? Um and another resource to do that would be Walking with Purpose. There's a wonderful mm-hmm. study called Walking with Purpose, which is a great way for women to get started together. Um, yeah. And yeah, we actually have that in our parish also, in addition to our women's group that, that people are just, you know, loving. So Yeah. 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 Um, well, you've done such a great job building community where you didn't find one. And I think that is such a great example. And thank you for, for being a fearless leader 
a couple of good things that I've noticed about you as a leader are that you are consistent in your uh, meeting time. So you're not constantly canceling or changing them. You're Mm. consistent. And sometimes the meetings are smaller or bigger, but they're always happening. And you always send an email reminder beforehand where you sent when I was part (laughs) of the group. And I appreciated that because we're all so busy. Um, And then you also material that didn't require too much outside preparation so that people would be Mm -hmm. scared off from coming, which I also appreciated. Most of the meat of the discussion happened in the discussion because, you know, we're all busy. Um, And then we also brought like uh, snacks and, you know, it was really, it was really a fun (laughs) thing too. And we just ended up hanging out afterward and talking. So, you know, it was such a blessing. And um, if anyone does not have community, I do recommend, um, Mm. starting something, just go for it and pray about it. Um, I've started a women's group based on your model where I am. Mm -hmm. And that has been a huge blessing to me. Um, especially Mm -hmm. because when you're raising children, you just need, if you're a stay at home mom, you need to talk to other women, even if you're a working mom Mm -hmm. and maybe see Mm -hmm. other people, but you don't relate to them on that level. You need solidarity. Um, and you also need like mm-hmm. a meal train, like you and many other mm-hmm. people brought me a meal train after my first baby. And then when I moved, um, uh, people brought me a meal train after my second baby. And that was so, mm-hmm. that gave me more confidence that I can be more generous and open to God's will if mm-hmm. he chooses to be another child, because it was like, I, I had no ability to cook for my family and we couldn't just order takeout every single night. So people <laughs> stepped in, you know, and, and really like cooperated with God's grace and, and sort of took the initiative to, to bring meals. And that was huge. So um, mm-hmm. I think we are able to be more generous with God if we have a solid community. I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, Melanie, and, there, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just, I was just going to say for me, somewhere I grew too, and this is, when I first started it, you know, I kind of had a picture in my mind and the Holy Spirit has definitely let it in and out different ways. And I would just encourage everyone, if you're starting one or part of one, you know, just, just really allowing the Holy Spirit to lead it. And it might be you and one person, you know, and that's okay. <laughs> and that's phenomenal. I mean, we went through spaces where we had six, eight people and then we had no one. So that summer, my husband and I hosted uh, monthly barbecues at the, at the park and just invited people to it just to kind of, because there is, you usually need some sort of um, icebreaker, something that like I get to know you in a very non um, intimidating atmosphere where we're just talking about God or the catechism or whatever. Mm. And just, just a one-on-one. And another thing I like to do is I like to meet with each woman beforehand and just um, kind of break down. Like if someone tells me, Hey, this person's interested in your women's group. I meet, I meet with them and I say, this is what it looks like. And this is what we're Mm. doing. And, um, it's not just another mom's group. We're not just gonna, you know, exchange recipes. We can't, I would love to exchange recipes. That's great. <laughs> you know, but mm-hmm. we're also gonna, we're gonna build each other up in holiness. Like that is, that is our true goal. So I think being clear about the intentions of the group, but then also really allowing the Holy Spirit to work through and, um, how he would like your group to be. <laughs> yes. hundred percent. Melanie, is there anything else you would like to share with our time? Oh, no, this has been lovely. Um, I guess the one last thing I would like to encourage everyone, especially anyone single, um, whenever I was dating my husband, um, I told him that the only person, the only, like, it's not really a person, I guess it is a person, it's Jesus, <laughs> um, that he had to worry about me leaving him for was for the Sisters of Life. <laughs> so I'm a big <laughs> fan of um, Order of Men. So, and uh, I, I just would encourage you, I've been on some retreats with them too. Um, with the Sisters of Life up in Connecticut, they have a, uh, a retreat house, which is another great mm-hmm. resource on 
discerning life, discerning um, your, you know, your vocation, discerning anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're not just strictly, you know, for um, discernment into their um, their order. You can just go there just as a, a lay person without any kind of religious vocation um, and do retreat. It's also a wonderful option too, if, you know, you're listening to this podcast and you've, and you've taken the own life of your own child. If you've suffered an abortion, they have healing retreats, um, mm-hmm. which is another wonderful, um, another wonderful service that the sisters of life do is helping women who have suffered abortion. So mm. they are incredible. <laughs> yes. Yes. They're absolutely amazing. The few times that I've encountered them, I've just, I'm like in yeah. awe of them. Um, but yeah. that's so cool that yeah. you can just go and go. I actually didn't know that you could just go on a retreat yeah. without like a yeah. reason. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, yes. They have women's retreats. You can, yep. Look them up. Sisters of life.org. They have them throughout the year um, at their villa. And, uh, and I actually have two of them, sister Angelina and, Sister Magnificat will be coming to our women's conference this year. I've been holding, this will be my fourth annual conference at Our Lady of Victory Catholic Church in State College, PA. It'll be March 16th so awesome. this year for anyone interested in seeing them there. If that's closer. Yes. I should link, do you have like a contact form that I could link to for people in the show sure. notes? So they can contact Great. you if they want to come or maybe I'll contact, yeah. the, uh, sorry, maybe I'll link to the page where they can sign up for the That'd be great. Too. Great treat. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. That's so great. Melanie, thank you so much. You've been an incredible guest mm-hmm. and thanks for having coffee slash wine with me. <laughs> um, and thank you for all of your knowledge. You're, you're a wealth of wisdom and there's going to be a lot of great resources for people on this issue. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Stacey, for holding this podcast. And thank you to all the listeners um, for your desire to learn more about God's plan for you and your family's lives. So, mm-hmm. God loves you all. And there you have it. I've linked in the show notes to all of the wonderful resources that Melanie gave you in the course of our conversation. And I really hope that you will join in the conversation by getting in touch with me with your questions through my website or your comments or concerns or feedback or whatever. And I would so love it if you would please leave me a review on iTunes. That would make my heart really, really happy. I hope you guys have an incredible two weeks. I'll be back soon with another episode of Called and Caffeinated. God bless you.